The Toronto Blue Jays are beginning the trade deadline with a massive splash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 121 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. Today on our show, O'Reilly, we have a big one. The Blue Jays are making trades. We've acquired what might be the hardest thrower in all of baseball in Jordan Hicks, giving up two pitching prospects in return. So you and I are going to break all that down in this episode here. What does it mean for the bullpen? What does it mean for the Blue Jays' playoff chances? Are we true? World Series contenders after this trade. And plus, as we do every episode, we have to recap this series that was against the Angels, including Matt Chapman arguing with John Schneider about Otani. Our Captain Kirk is heating up, and we give some more thoughts on what's going to happen at this trade deadline. As usual, I'm Jesse. That's Riley. Riley, how are you feeling after this big move? I feel, first of all, I feel really good about the series. Um, I mean, we didn't get pick up the win in Game 3. Could have gone either way. I really, really liked the offense in both games and more importantly i really liked the pitching and as you were talking just there i was looking at our bullpen numbers just from this series alone mm-hmm. and and i looked at i and i thought one one earned run given up in those three games by our pen so adding jordan hicks to an already good bullpen like what is that going to look like it's crazy you cannot have too many good pitchers this time of year and the addition it's a great addition man and i'm not in the least bit upset about what it cost. I mean, it's 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 a fantastic move. Arguably the hardest right-handed thrower at times. He's definitely in the top one percentile. There might be one other guy in a Twins jersey that throws like a skosh harder some nights than him. But Jordan Hicks, man, um, it, hey, he he's uh, he was probably one of the biggest prospects in baseball for the longest time. Yep. Injuries and you know some hiccups in his career. He's still. He's still a fantastic, fantastic back-end guy in your bullpen. My prediction is that he sees a lot of eighth-inning time for this Blue Jays club. I think I like that. We're going to dive deep into this trade as this episode goes on. But first, guys, remember our show is free, available on all platforms. So please like the video if it's your first time here. Subscribe to the channel. Riley and I have been doing stuff like this all year. We'd love to have you on a board following us along. We're passionate Blue Jays fans just like you. But let's get into the meat and potatoes of the trade here. Here it is officially. The Blue Jays have acquired right-handed pitcher Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for two pitching prospects, Adam Kloffenstein Riley, who is your pick to click at the start of the season here, and Sem Robers out of the Netherlands, who is the Blue Jays representative in the Futures game. And as we expected, Mitch White has been DFA'd to make room on the 40-man roster. And Riley, we talked about it a few episodes ago when we were coming over our plan for the trade deadline. We thought that the Toronto Blue Jays really should add another arm into their bullpen. We saw what happened in the playoffs last year against Seattle, how it was the bullpen that ultimately let us down and knocked us out last year. So we thought you can never have too much pitching. And it's great to have that even more as we get into the playoffs. So getting Jordan Hicks is a great move. Riley, you know what we get from him. He throws 101, one of the best sinkers in baseball. I'm more impressed, Riley, by his slider, his sweeping slider that he has as well. I think that individual pitch is the best sweeper at getting strikeouts and whiffs. So another massive weapon out of the pen from Jordan Hicks. I think he nailed it perfectly. I think he's going to settle right into our eighth inning role. And with Jordan Romano going to the IL now, I really think Jordan Hicks could step into that closer's role and start getting saves for us as soon as this week. Jordan Hicks is going to be an impact piece. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. You want to make a splash? Yes. Genesis Cabrera, and he's done fantastic in his, I think, you know, his three appearances, I think it is right now in a Blue Jays uniform. It could be four after today. But either way, um, we went out and went back to um, 
you know, pick uh, pick at the Cardinals bullpen and come out with Jordan Hicks, which is a hell of an addition, Jesse. Triple digits, and yes, with Jordan Romano going on the IL, um, it's a time in the season where if you're a team plagued by injuries, this could really make or break your season, and we have been very, very fortunate, Jesse, to say the least on the health and the state of the players on this roster. Um, and I think, you know what? Romano, um, who has who has got roughed up a couple times in his last 10 or so appearances, which is fine. I still have all the faith in Romano when he toes the rubber, but it just gives you that much more insurance. There's been too many times in our lifetimes where we've settled down and watched a game where we've had a two-run lead in you know the seventh eighth inning and those ball games just slip right from our grasp or a four run lead in the ninth like we just had this week oh yeah exactly man it's it's crazy the you know but adding a more sure thing is you know we got so if you if you don't include romano you know Garcia has done just fine. Mesa is up there too. We're obviously going to have Cabrera. I mean, even Trevor Richards is having a really, really good campaign, man. And, you know, the list goes on. Jay Jackson, an unlikely guy uh, making a splash on this team. And even though I'm not, wasn't super impressed with, you know, you want to talk about blowing leads, Eric Swanson, you know, even Look, looking past that, you know, we still have a great guy in Eric Swanson. So, Jesse, it's you can't have too many good things at this point. Yes, it is a rental piece, but it's a very crucial time in the year. And holding on to leads, man, or holding on to your place in the ball game late in the game, giving the guys a chance maybe to put runs on the board late uh, to keep the game close, whatever the situation is, you know, we need good clutch pitching. And I think Jordan Hicks can do that for us. Yeah, I think you nailed the hammer on the head here. This is a very proactive proactive move for the Toronto Blue Jays here. As after the trade deadline, you just can't go find guys. You need to get your guys now. Even though we're healthy, even though we have an abundance of relievers into the bullpen, get your guy now. These things always work themselves out. And the last thing you want is for Romano to be dealing with an injury in the playoffs or say Garcia or Meza or someone else gets hurt. And then all of a sudden you're short in the bullpen and then you aren't ready to win a world series. Um, You talked about some of those other guys in the pen Riley, and let's try to hammer this out here now because the blue Jays going to a six man rotation as soon as this week, when Hunjin Ryu comes back, that's already one more pitching spot on the roster. And then if you look at the names they currently have in their bullpen, if Romano's healthy, he's one Jordan Hicks is here now too. You mentioned Swanson, Jimmy Garcia, Tim Meza, Nate Pearson, Trevor Richards, Jay Jackson, Genesis Cabrera, and Chad Green is also on his way back. He is progressing through his rehab assignment. I think that's 10 names I just said, Riley, for maybe seven spots. So assuming everyone stays healthy, what are the Blue Jays going to do here? And what does the follow-up from this mean? So first of all, uh, the six-man rotation should, like, Something's going to happen with that. I mean, we can't, we can't, it's nice, but we just can't have it. I want Gosman going every fifth day. And I don't think a guy like Bassett and Brios are going to be too fond of it either. Um, But if you're, I mean, if you're going to carry five, five starting pitchers, you're going to probably carry, let's just say 13 pitchers on the roster. So you got 
eight in the bullpen. I mean, obviously one of them is going to be Jordan Romano. You're going to keep our two St. Louis Cardinals guys. We just got uh, Jordan Hicks and Genesis Cabrera. I mean, I would have to think uh, for sure Locke is going to be on Tim Meza as the other left-hander. Yep. And then from there, uh, for me personally, it's Swanson and Garcia in no particular order. And that's six right there. And, I mean, you could look at a lot of places after Jay Jackson has looked fantastic. Yes. Nate Pearson. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a great guy to have in that bullpen as well. Um, I mean, he, he you know, he kind of got lit up a couple times and that's fine. Trevor Richards as well. And, uh, and then yeah, Chad green dude, who we can't even look past because we know what a hell, how good and effective a healthy Chad green is. Never I mean, allowed an earned run at Roger center before. Uh, Not one. Well, well, Hey, I mean, I mean, if he's pitching there, you know, every third, day it's bound to happen but i'm still looking i'm still looking at a good recovery for chad green and want him in our bullpen and another guy who has been in high leverage situations jesse um like arguably there was a time where chad green could have been a closer and i think he was i don't think he's got a lot of career saves but i think he did hold the role of closer for a bit and uh same with jordan hicks as well so i mean look you got you got a ton of high leverage guys, and arguably on a bad team, Garcia's probably your eighth inning guy. Could be a closer, honestly, on a really bad team. So, I mean, we're looking down the barrel of a, a Blue Jays team with probably the best bullpen we've had in a yeah. very, very yeah. long time. We're extremely agree. deep in that category. Um, and I think that, listen, that'll take you really far. Mind you, Jesse where we've kind of had our problems some sometimes is with our starting pitchers. And I mean, if our offense can't pick up six runs that our starter, you know, kind of floundered in the first four innings, you know, then the bullpen, if he, they can hold, they can hold on to that game and at least give us a chance. That's great. But if our offense doesn't pick up that it's, it's, it's kind of lost from there. So, I mean, our starters still have to go out there and produce quality starts. And, um, well, we've seen that with guys from like Kevin Gosman, Yusei Kikuchi, and Barrios, who's who's really, really impressed people this year. And I had all the faith, Jesse, that he would turn it around this mm -hmm. year. All those yep. people that, you know, you can crap. I mean, you can crap on Brios all you want. He had an awful year last year. There's no two ways about it. But he's this is a new year, and he's a completely new pitcher. Um, Alec Manoa got into trouble in his start, and I think it was wise that he got pulled from that ball game. Uh, I, I mean, he was a little shook. He uh, can't remember who he hit. Yeah, Maybe Taylor, Taylor Ward. Ward. Yeah. He hit Taylor Ward, and there was a delay in play. They had the card out, and it was a scary situation. And if Manoa was shook, it was best to get him out of that ball game anyways. He could have gone farther, but at the same time, too, hey, the bases were loaded, and I got a short leash for Manoa. As far as the next thing on my, uh, you know, my checklist here is, you know, what to do with Hunjin Ryu. And, yeah, if we're going with a six-man, I think it's kind of – you kind of got to make it a reality show and at some point turn that into a five-man rotation. I don't know who the odd man out is going to be, but I just think it's, it's more practical and it's probably better uh, for guys like Kevin Gosman, guys like Chris Bassett, uh, to keep that five-man rotation. Yes, some rest is good, but at the same time, too, you need those guys starting ball games. Yeah, you want your best arms going. You, you got to, if they're ready and they're ready to go, you give them that start, man. Yeah, the only other thought I have of um, Hicks coming on and joining this team is that it does give John Schneider now a shorter hook for these guys. Like, he can pull Manoa after three and a third. I doubt we see Yusei Kikuchi go further than five innings again. Like, when he's got 
all these good weapons in the bullpen. I feel like, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but it gives John Schneider more to think about um, when he's going through these games. Riley, I want to talk about the two prospects that we gave up here. And are you worried that we paid too much of a price? Not enough. Uh, Sem Rebers, who saw he pitched in the Futures game for the Blue Jays. He's had a good year. He was the Blue Jays' number seventh ranked prospect. Had a 407 ERA in New Hampshire. His ceiling seems to be about a four or five starter, but I liked what I saw from Sem Rebers. And Adam Kloffenstein, Riley, was the other name who we gave up, who at the start of the season was your name to watch the prospect pick to click. And he, after having an ERA over five the last two years battling injuries actually has come together with a very good season. He's got a 324 ERA with New Hampshire and the peripherals to match. So how do you feel about the guys we gave up? Are the Blue Jays going to regret this in the future? I mean, if we win, there's no regret, Jesse. Yeah, flags fly uh, forever. Uh, right? Listen, man, I like to see pitchers develop as much as anyone. I love homegrown names. And Adam Kloffenstein could have really been one of those guys. He kind of like um, he has Less listen, it took Pearson a long time to get here and um, and he'll be back very. I'm sure he'll be back, uh, you know, when he can. But it's more or less for me. Um, Kloffenstein wasn't the full deal, wasn't the full package. I really pictured him as a as a four or five guy in a pitching staff, which I'm totally OK with because those guys can have low three ERAs or he could bust out a low five ERA. Um, if he had a bad year, they're talking MLB stats because I'm sure he'll be in the show at some point. Probably, but is is it going to be as a 30 year old and have a really short career, or you know, it's just one of those things, man. You uh, you can get stuck behind a lot of guys in the minor league depth chart once you're out of that. Once you lose that um, title of a uh, prospect, you know, you 22 turns into 26 and you haven't touched, you know, a big league field yet. And it can get real tough to kind of figure out what kind of ball player you're going to finish your career as, um, as far as, uh, reverse, reverse, Sam reverse. Yeah. yeah. As far as he goes, yeah, still very young, very promising, but I still, uh, I still think it's a good, I still think it's a good trade to make. We have still a lot of good young pitchers down in our minor league system. And you know what? We didn't give up our best at the end of the day. Yes, Yes, we gave gave up good pieces, arguably. But, I mean, for a guy who's uh, for sure thing in the major leagues, that his unique skill set is he throws absolute gas and he has wicked movement on his pitchers and that heavy. You like the slider. I love that heavy sinker, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's got a great pitch mix, especially as a back end bullpen guy late in ball games. Like everything you, uh, you know, I'm sure based your ba- if you look at his, I'm sure you looked at his savant page, a lot of stuff to salivate over with that. It's beautiful. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a hell of an addition, man. I mean, it just you hope you get the results, right? I mean, if he comes out here and 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 has a couple blown saves and doesn't you know get the job done, then yeah, we might be kicking ourselves. Especially if you know, uh, listen, it's going to take years to really figure out if we won or lost this trade. And by then, we could have all but forgotten we acquired him. It de- really depends sure. on what he does for this ball club, yep. man. Honestly, and I like I don't think the price was too much. I know there was, I know we got wrapped in the comment section on TikTok talk or whatever which is fine <laughs> i mean hey if, if you guys think you can run run the team that's that's fine and dandy we're i'll be glad to admit that i'm an amateur but hey i do know what it you know what prices it might take 
And, you know, we're not playing on franchise mode, easy GM, accept all trades. Like you actually have to give up for, for ball players that are already made it in the major leagues. You can't just give them a guess. Can't just go, Oh, this guy's 21 years old. He, he'll be, he'll be great. It's like, no, no, no. If you have, if you want a for sure thing, you have to put more on the line. Jordan Hicks for me is a for sure thing. So I don't think this was too steep of a, um, of a price at all. Yeah, none of these pitchers are going to turn into Jordan Hicks anyway, right? And what's the old adage in baseball? There's no such thing as a pitching prospect. And look, Sam Barris and Adam Klofenstein both could turn into quality major league arms. I'd be very surprised if any of these turn into an ace type. I will take the guy that's going to help our team win now as opposed to a guy that's going to maybe help the team in 2026, 2027. I will take that for a Blue Jays team that is built to win today. I will say too, Riley. It will give guys like Jimmy Garcia, Tim Meza, and those guys, Eric Swanson, a little bit of a rest because they do lead pretty high in the list of appearances on the season. So just having another arm is only going to help this pen. Riley, my next question is, are the Blue Jays done? The trade deadline is still two days away. They still have some things in the farm. They still have some team needs to address. Are the Blue Jays done for the trade deadline or is there more coming? I would like a depth outfield piece. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, a guy who's who's an all-star. I'm not talking about a guy who's going to hit 20 home runs. Um, I want to see a depth addition. I don't know who it is. I, I don't, I could spin and think of some names, but I, I, you know, but at the same time too, like, let's say like Tommy Pham just got this. Uh, didn't Tommy Pham just get traded? Someone like that. He was on my list. I wanted the Blue Jays to acquire. I don't know if he was actually I, traded yet. But. Well, a, a guy like that, if he's, I, I could be just dreaming that Tommy Pham got traded because he's exactly the type of player that gets dealt around the trade deadline. So I would like that. A guy with a little bit of pop, not necessarily a defensive specialist. We already got three of those patrolling the outfield. I want someone who can give us some timely hits when called upon. And I'm not saying. Saying a guy, I'm not saying go get Tommy Pham. I'm saying a guy like that, the same kind of player build. And it's not again, I don't I think Tommy Pham is probably around 34 years old, give or take plus minus a year, maybe 35. Um, you're not gonna have to give up a huge price to get someone like that. That's the thing. Jordan Hicks is still fair young. When you're under 30 years old, I, I, like you you still have some you really still have a lot of like shine to you as trade bait, right? Your legs aren't going to fall out from under you. Uh, baseball's very mean to guys. You hit 33 years old. And unless you're Cal Ripken Jr. Or Nolan Ryan, um, if you're not signed to a long-term deal, you're probably playing for four teams in four years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, Jesse. And I, I know you agree with me. An outfield addition with a good bat is probably I would I would be more than happy. I would be more than happy with that. And one we could call that and we can call that our additions. I would that that's for me because we still have good pitchers coming back. And as far as the lineup goes, it's on Bo's shoulders. It's on Vlad's shoulders. It's it is. on it Chapman. Is. It's it's on the guys. It's on the guys we already have, man. Yep. And 
Yeah, and basically, yeah, just a depth, a depth outfielder, someone who is our fourth outfielder and has a little bit of pop. That's what I'm. That's what I think we need. Yeah, and a guy who can hit lefties well because when a good left-hander throws against us, we're still throwing Kiermaier. Kevin Biggio gets in there. Espinal has not been the guy to hit lefties this year, although he did hit a home run this series. So there's that. But uh, I do think we need a guy like that. So you mentioned Tommy Pham. I like Mark Canna. I like old friends Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Grichik. If the Marlins sell, I like a guy like Jorge Soler to get in here, but that's the type of guy I want. A guy who can come in in a playoff game as a pinch hitter and might run into a three-run home run, like the guy who can dramatically change a game for you. Eddie Rosario might be another one of those names. Um, it's, it's a name like that that I really want to see the Blue Jays acquire. Buddy, you like Mark Canna? I freaking love that guy. Perfect. Me too. Uh, I, 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 um, I, you know, someone exactly, someone exactly like that. Um, I, I, I think, you know, and a, a Solaire, his addition, what was that? The Atlanta Braves. Yeah. When, when he went the to World the Braves, he, he, he had a, just an, a, a sensational playoff run too. So that in addition like that, that's, that's the GM absolutely winning. Even if you give up a high price, that is, that is full payoff right there. All right, so right. I'm not, I just, yeah, sorry, carry on. I just want you to grade the trade. On a letter grade, how would you do it for the Blue Jays? I'm gonna say right now it's an. I'm gonna say right now it's an A minus. All right, I'm going B plus. I like the move, and you know, I thought it was an even trade. Good stuff all around for the Toronto Blue Jays. Riley, do you have any final thoughts on Jordan Hicks coming to the Toronto Blue Jays before we move on to the series that was against the Angels? I really like his velocity. I really like his movement. Um, I would like to see maybe under Pete Walker he could, you know, gain a little bit of control. And it's not because he's wild. Maybe trying to overthrow some pitches and things like that. But obviously, when you have velocity like that, you don't always have full, you know, control. And that's that's fine. You have to comp like you're gonna lose some control with velocity. But I'm I'm super stoked with the addition, man. He's gonna he's gonna be great for us. He's a hell of a pitcher. One last stat I have on Jordan Hicks is no Toronto Blue Jay in the entire pitch tracking era. So since 2008 has ever thrown a pitch 102 miles per hour. Jordan Hicks threw 370 of those just for the Cardinals in his five years career. So hardest throwing pitcher in Toronto Blue Jays history will be Jordan Hicks. All right, Riley, let's move on to the series that was against the LA Angels and the Blue Jays are still in the thick of it. We had a three game series against the Angels, a team that was desperate, a team that was chasing us and the Blue Jays promptly took care of business, winning two out of three. I'll wrench through the game recaps here. Game one, the Blue Jays won four to one. Shohei Otani hit a home run early off Kevin Gosman, which did cause quite a stir up in the Blue Jays dugout. But then Matt Chapman followed with a home run of his own. Danny Jansen and Whit Merrifield hit home runs. Eric Swanson escaped a bases loaded zero out jams. And Jordan Romano ran into some trouble in the ninth. But Jimmy Garcia was able to get the last guy out to secure the save. Game two, the Blue Jays win this game six to one. This was Alec Manoa's start. He battled his command again. You talked about the Taylor Ward hit. Four and a third, four hits, three walks, six strikeouts. I will say for Manoa, the slider did look the best like it did all year, generating six whiffs on that. Alejandro Kirk had a little bit of a breakout here. He got a double dong, his first multi-home run game of the season. And Bo Bichette was at it again. And two-hit wit was at it again. And the bullpen, as you mentioned, four and two-thirds innings of shutout baseball to get the job done. And in game three, the Angels won this one three to two in 10 innings. The Jays gave up a run on a sack fly in the third. Then they were able to answer in the fifth, thanks to a Whit Merrifield RBI single. The game stayed that way until extras as Jose Barrios and Tyler Anderson were locked into a pretty good pitcher's duel. It was broken when Hunter Renfro hit a two-run home run off Jimmy Garcia, who was working his fourth game in five nights. And the Blue Jays were able to get one back in the 10th. 
but and had two men on and nobody out, but then they went strikeout, strikeout, pop up, and the game ended there. So after the series against the Angels, the Blue Jays stand with a record of 59 and 47. We're five games back of the Baltimore Orioles for the AL East lead, and we're in the third and final wild card spot. Technically, we're tied with Houston right now, two games up on the Red Sox, Riley. So out of the series that was against the Angels, what was your main takeaway? Well, my first main takeaway is let's just look at the names that we got right off the bat. So we first we see um, a change in the batting order, Jesse. Yeah. That's the one thing we should talk about. The one thing, I mean, it's hard not to notice. We got Whit Merrifield, the leadoff spot, and George Springer in the five mm-hmm. in the five hole. So, I mean, what does that mean? Oh, what is Whit Merrifield going to do batting leadoff for this team? Well, collect six hits in two games, a yeah, three hit work. game, a two hit game, <laughs> and and that'll absolutely work. And and he still Jesse, he still had a home run. He had another series with a long ball. Whit Merrifield now, isn't it? Yeah, Whit Merrifield since the All Star break is is been such an asset for this ball club, man. I mean, you can't get enough of this guy. It's 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 absolutely incredible what he's doing for this team. I mean, it's it, he had. I think there was another play. Still talking about base running. Um, he's still probably one of the best to do it. Um, had a steal, but then an air from Matt Thice, who I'm surprised is a big league catcher even, but um, through, I know through the ball, through the ball into center field, Wick goes to third, just those kind of plays. And when, when Whit Merrifield, if he's batting in that leadoff spot, he's a throwback because he's a fast guy. He's a good base runner, classic leadoff kind of approach. Right. And when he's got that home run power, it's so nice to see. And when he collects six hits, in three games. That's what a leadoff hitter is supposed to do, man. He was just, he epitomized it in this series. And if John Schneider does not change it back, if this is what we're rolling with, and Springer's been slumping, I'm going to lump him in. I'm going to do one big thumbs up. Yeah. That's what Merrifield, because he had a tremendous series again with another long ball and, uh, you know, two multi-hit games and then moving George Springer down to the fifth spot. Well, what's that mean? Well, he didn't collect a single hit in the series. That should tell you something there. George Springer, if, if Whit Merrifield's been one of our hottest players, that George Springer certainly, if not, has been our coldest hitter. I could have argued would have been Matt Chapman, but at least he had a, a long ball in the series and, Springer collected nothing on his line, man, and it sucks. <clears throat> you know, not every not, not every night, one and nine are going to click through your lineup. You're going to have times where players are slumping and whatever. But Whit Merrifield has picked up any slack that George Springer, you know, whatever he's lacking in, Whit has picked him up. But George did not have a good series, if I'm going to lump them kind of in together, because it's interesting. George Springer, obviously, now second all time in leadoff home runs. If I told you that, it's like, hell, that guy must bat leadoff every single day. Well, not in this series, Jesse. We had Whit Merrifield, and he did a hell of a job batting in that one spot for us. And Springer, maybe he's not comfortable in that five spot. Maybe we'll try and, you know, change things up. Maybe Springer won if he can get hot again, and maybe uh, Whit in the two spot, because I also wouldn't mind that either. 
Yeah, I, I do like how we have Whit Merrifield one, Bo Bichette hitting two. Those are our two best bat-to-ball skills guide, the guys who are most likely going to get hits on your team, which means your run producers, your Brandon Belts, your Matt Chapman, your George Springer, your Vladimir Guerrero Juniors need to be ready to deliver to get runs in runners in scoring position, Riley. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in this series, one for 12 with a home run, um, only the one hit. He needs to be better. He needs to be driving these guys in with Bo Bichette and Matt, uh, Whit Merrifield getting on base all the time. One player, though, who did really drive the ball well this series was Alejandro Kirk, Riley. And you and I have talked a lot about, hey, I don't even think Kirk's playable. Like, Danny Jansen's been hitting the ball so well. Like, we understand Kirk's very good behind the plate, but he's super slow. Like, maybe, you know, do something about it. But it was very good to see this from Alejandro Kirk, Riley. And since the All-Star break, you mentioned how good Whit Merrifield has been. Well, Alejandro Kirk is hitting 433 with a 485 on base percentage. That's an OPS of one. 1,252. All of those stats, Riley, lead the team for Alejandro Kirk. We've seen him get hot before. We know he can do it. He's at his best, I think, when he's hitting the slow spin stuff. He can kind of get burned on fastballs a little bit and kind of stuff that moves in and out. But those curveballs, he's been mashing, and he pulled two of them down the line in this game. So good for you, Alejandro Kirk. You get my official thumbs up. He certainly was pulling them in this one as he roped one down the left field line and and banged another one hard into the corner um, in left field. And it was funny on I don't I forget um, whatever what time in the broadcast it was they were talking about how he has you know maybe pushed. Um, some singles the other way, and he absolutely laced one to his pull side. So that was nice to see. He, he hey, he is a great. He, he, I mean, you know, to go on about what you said about Witt and Bouchette putting bat on ball. I mean, Kirk can put bat on ball. He is yep. tremendous at that. I mean, anytime you have a three hit performance, um, you know, you're in a, in a multi home run game at that. Like, let's, you know, let's stop for a minute and say, okay, yeah, he had a three hit game, but Kirk had two home runs, man. And he has not produced hardly any power this year. So it's, it's good to know it's there. It's definitely going to come in bunches. I don't know if he has a two home run game again this year. Like it's just one of those things, you know, you, it's bound to happen maybe once, but I still like what he did in this series. And as far as Jansen goes, like, man, Danny Jansen is still great. It's that's the thing where you can only bat nine guys. And yeah. I saw this. It wasn't even a stat. It was a meme with Vince McMahon on Danny Jansen, where he just kind of like does like the sitting in his chair and like kind of makes like more of a exasperated face as you look oh, down the line. The meme, Riley. We yeah. The okay. And, uh, and his last 162 games. Uh, so full season, uh, catchers don't play full seasons anymore. I don't know if they ever did, but 37 home runs, 110 RBIs, and he's fifth in the American league and slugging just a shade under 550. So those, those numbers right there tell me that Danny Jansen is very relevant. And there was another stat. Uh, he drove in his 46 RBI of the season, Jesse. That's his career high. Wow. It runs I bad. Wow. And if you can believe that, ridiculous. I've advocated for Danny Jansen to get a starting job forever. And that's nothing on Kirk. But Danny Jansen is a phenomenal catcher. And like if if we if we relinquish him at the end of this year and he goes on to a team, hits cleanup, hits 32 home runs and wins it's a silver there. slugger. I can, it's in there. He does. 
Jesse, he deserves it. Danny Jansen is phenomenal offensively, defensively. Like, I think he's – like, I know that he doesn't stay healthy all the time, but easily, man, the most – for me, most underrated Toronto Blue Jay. Second, yep. one of the most underrated players in all of Major League Baseball. Danny Jansen it epitomizes right now power-hitting catchers, and I wish we had him in the lineup every single game. Me too. Me too. He really does deserve to be in there more. Um, it's just, He pulls the ball and he's a power threat. We've talked about the Blue Jays need some more power. Well, Danny Jansen's provide power. We've talked about how this team hasn't been able to hit and runners in scoring position. Well, Danny Jansen has been great late and in the clutch. Like, get him in there, John Schneider. I understand you have two good catchers and only one can be behind the plate at a time, but give Danny Jansen his due. Start him more at DH if you have to. Yep. Couldn't agree more. It's the, we got to have them both rocking. You talk about starting your best guys. If Springer's not hitting, move him fifth. We see that Danny Jansen hits, although he did, I believe go over five in, uh, in the loss today, yeah, a which is fine. Balls still though. I'm not upset about and, that. Yeah. And, and Jesse, that's, that's fine. You'll get, you get those in those outs. They'll eventually turn into results. Yeah, 104 off the bat for a ground out from Danny Jansen today. He also had a fly out deep to the track. Like, it's there, Danny Jansen. It's there. Um, one more note that caught my attention in this series, Riley, and that's going back to game one, is that's when Kevin Gosman threw a fastball to Shohei Otani, and Shohei Otani ripped it over the right center field fence for a home run. We got a clip in the dugout later of Matt Chapman going to John Schneider and yelling at him, and it was tough to read out the lips, but I think he said something along the lines of, he's the only effing guy on their team that they can hit. Why are you pitching to him? Matt Chapman looked pretty heated, pretty animated. I guess I have a few questions on this is one, what's your first initial reaction on the situation that happened there? And two, does John Snyder still have control of this team or is this just like a one-time blink? So tell me what you think, Riley. Uh, first of all, to answer that question, and I won't answer, I'll answer this question with kind of just a statement. Okay. Shohei, Shohei's the only guy who could have a hit on this team. Mickey Moniak bats third for the Angels. Um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> John Schneider. John Schneider absolutely has control over this team. Listen, of course. Of course. Uh, Chapman is a, Chapman is a professional. I think your heart's not in it. it you play 162 games. You're at home. You're on the road. It, uh, if you lose your cool once on your skipper over that course of time. You know, it's a long haul, man. It's hot. Like, it, there's so many things. And, yeah, Shohei, first pitch, Kevin Gosman throws him. Heater low in the zone. And Shohei Otani, like, um, just, like, he's, I mean, he's going to win the American League MVP. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. He's the best. He's the best athlete at their sport in the world right now. Yeah, I have no I have no problem. And we intentionally walked them. I don't know how many times in this series. It's, it's I, like John Schneider got the message. From it's, that it's, a, it's a number that's more than it, it's a number that's more than one. I know that, which is already a lot. It could be two or three, but I have no problem with Chapman saying this because he goes up and he hits a home run his next at bat. And the first person he high five Schneider's, he comes into the dugout, whatever that, yeah. it's water under the bridge at that point, man. Emotions can sometimes t get the better of you, and you can't take things personally, especially you know at this point in the year, they're grown. They're grown men. 
Chapman's been around the league. Shot Snyder, yes, he's a you know a newer manager as far as your you know games played guys with Dusty Baker still managing teams and whatever else. But he absolutely still he didn't lose control. I mean, you can lose your frustration, and it's not like he's uh, a toxic guy. He's not like a Machado or a Papelbon in the dugout. Like no. absolutely nothing wrong with that, Jesse. Absolutely nothing wrong with that in my eyes. Hey, Matt Chapman got the message across and they walked around Shohei Otani for the rest of the series. I think if anything, that's Matt Chapman taking a role where he should have as a leader on this team should be. And I'm glad he's on our side. John Schneider, give your head a little bit of a shake, my guy. You should have known this. Come on, be a little bit better. But uh, that's it. That'll do it for our episode here today, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, if you are new here, thank you for watching the video. Toss us a like, subscribe to the channel. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We've got all the stuff on there. We can stay along with your Blue Jays. We are passionate Toronto Blue Jays fans, just like you are. Uh, if you have a comment about Jordan Hicks, you think how good he's going to be, if you think he's going to be a plum, if you're really going to miss Sam Roberts or uh, Adam Klofenstein, let us know in the comments down below. We'll interact with you there. Riley, any final thoughts here on the episode, whether the Angel series, the Jordan Hicks trade before we get out here today? I absolutely have one more thing to add, and that is we got extremely lucky in game one, I believe it was. The bases were loaded in Shohei's spot in the order. He came yeah. up and he was removed. Yeah. Removed from the game with cramps, dude. And and you know what? It's kind of on Shohei a little bit too. He totally, totally should have listened to fellow countryman Munanori Kawasaki because we all know Jesse Monkey No Cramp. Monkey No Cramp, indeed. It is beautiful. And I guess I will say, episode one twenty one. Um, that's the number of home runs Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has his career. Bo Bichette's run scored season high and Joe Carter's career high and RBI are all 121. 121 in hitter war, Rico Cardi, who was a designated hitter for the Jays in 78 and 79. And 121 in pitcher war is Gary Lavelle, who threw 100 innings for the Jays over 1985 through 1987. But that's it for our episode here today. We'll see you guys after the trade deadline. Maybe we will have more news and another big trade coming then. We'll see you guys then. Thanks, guys.